So some questions here on the timeless good old question about physical discomfort and pain. And you decide to direct your energy and scan other parts of the body or hold and rest with compassion on the sensation? It's a good question. And the point of uh, redirecting is to uh, change the emotional pressure on the mind, which is the main problem. Well, it may not seem the main problem, but it's the problem you can cure. There's other physical pain is part of life, sooner or later. It's the emotional pressure that is something we could do something about. And interestingly enough, if we're able to release the emotional pressure, uh, uh, it does release some of the energy that gets built up uh, in the system with pain and the way the attention is so grabbed by it considering that in most experiences of physical pain not much of your body is actually in pain your ears are okay nose is okay you know, arms are okay back's fine, not a problem most of it, a bit of twinge there shins are okay Calves, great. Ankles, easy. Tootsies, fine. <laughs> What's the problem? <laughs> just the bit somewhere in there that's just flaring up and capturing all your attention. Where your attention goes, your energy goes. Energy goes, energy goes. It builds up the intensity of the pain. Builds up because you're putting energy into it. You're not deciding to it, just what happens when you give attention to something, energy builds up, it magnifies till that's you know, ninety ninety percent of your experience is is that. And that's the way that builds up. So any way we can kind of dislodge that that act, that process, that will be immensely to our benefit. Yeah. So even just the, the literal dislodging of attention and directing it somewhere else. Uh, can be a, just a shift out of the, out of the half Nelson that pain has one in uh, and you use that experience to try to you know, really give yourself some resources steadiness re- recollection you know, rather than the sense of indignation this shouldn't happen or why does this happen or I didn't come here for this or da 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 you know, there it is. This, is. this is one of the great teachers turning up, and she will, or he will, throughout your life. And uh, now you have to rise to the occasion of it. Hold the mind firm. So, as other people mentioned, there's a whole lot of emotional agitation that goes on around that. Uh, so if we first of all accept this is inevitable there's some stabilizing effect in that and then if we are able to get hold of our attention and instead of it 
spasming over this area of feeling, keep winding it and spreading it till it comes to your attention span. Spread covers your entire physical form. When your attention span covers your entire form, and you just you, you can recognise well that pain is only in five percent of it. This sounds intellectual, but it's sort of like a hot area within something rather larger. This is a just helps all this helps to lessen some of the emotional intensity. And then if we're trying to uh, so you get like that, and then the this is the process of attention, and then you could begin to um, change your attitude or your me- your mental intention, which is generally to get rid of the pain or not have it or trying to defend yourself against it. This doesn't do you any good, by and large, because it just builds up tension and pressure. Uh, in fact, it contributes to this comfort. So you say, okay, now we've got to meet this with a sense of spreading awareness through the area. So if it's in my legs, then I start maybe at my chest and start moving down, spread through, down to my feet and back up again. This is if you're brushing a horse, grooming through, spreading. And then if that quality of your intention has something like the tonality of it is just soft and open and modest and okay, here we are, let's deal with this keep sweeping through, you'll find that um, the emotional pressure substantially reduces and there's a sense of some serenity can come in. Hmm. And if we dwell in that, put that to the front of our attention, there's a much greater chance that the physical pain will be slightly not in the centre of our attention, slightly, you know, reduced in its intensity, and uh, so on. It can be the case that if one, this is kind of a lifetime practice, remember, there's always pain around of some kind or another. If you sit and meditate, you're bound to meet it. Um, Well, don't sit and meditate then. Well, no, because this one is a tester, a teacher, a coach. It's going to teach you to be firm, teach you to get some skills that will be deal with also with all the other kinds of pain, such as emotional pain, pain of loss, pain of being blamed and accused and attacked. So once you get the sense of this one is your coach to help you learn to handle all kinds of other pains, and you think, okay, well, let's do some learning here around this one. So you set yourself a reasonable time, think, look, just do the best you can for, you know, a little bit longer, and then when you find you really can't manage it, then move around, take some flex, bit, shift your position, take a break, you know. The idea you're going to conquer pain is a, is a stupid idea. <laughs> Sit through the pain barrier. <laughs> but it can be the case for, if, uh, um, if you have strong absorption powers, the ability to really absorb into the mind, that when you go into a mental state that's serene and steady, you can so get occupied with that, so dwelling in that, that you don't even, don't experience the pain anymore. Or it's just kind of 
it's there if you turn to it but you have a choice and so that's that's the whole strategies around around that uh, when you're contemplating pain I found as a little trick tip is to visualize it imagine it's like what does it look like does it look like fire or is it daggers or is it rocks crushing or is it strangling <laughs> generally hot stabbing <laughs> you can see I studied it <laughs> and so you visualize it because when you go to the visual basis of it the visual basis doesn't have feeling so it just takes your some of the of the edge of the feeling feeling is always only bodily or mental psychological, emotional eyes don't feel the visual sense doesn't feel so if we translate that into patterns of jagged, jagged light or something you just come a little bit away from the, the real intensity of the, of, the, of the tactile experience and that gives you a little more leeway a little more room to to bear with and maintain a uh, steady uh, mind uh, so the heart is not under pressure and, and agitated uh, chanting at it is good also just, mm, you know, so you really deal with it like it is a, is a being come to check you out question about drainage channels since we're on the body bodily aspect it's a metaphor of course um, but it may be <laughs> it may be more than a metaphor um, because um, you know the, referring to the drainage channels uh, in, that we can use to release uh, stress tension and so on and even perhaps pressure that comes with pain uh, uh, so I'm, what I was suggesting was you can experience the energetic body energy which can get quite tensed up or heated up naturally you also have a physical body which you feel is just a series of tactile impressions heaviness and so forth uh, meat and you just bear the two in mind and you, you know, there's that energy and it's happening in my right around my neck okay so let's go down the neck anywhere in any direction where you can feel there's the intensity of the of the feeling and then as you go from the center of the feeling where it's most intense to where it's less intense right it's really strong right in that point there right in that sense that side of my neck it's really strong and if I see where is it less strong when it's kind of along the collar it's less strong you just keep tracing that tracing that to right at the top of the arm it's not so strong at all so you go to trace the energy of the pain and then you come to the edge of it where it's just the edge of that of that discomfort or that tension or whatever and you keep stroking the edge of it it begins to open and you get a feeling of the body can find a, a channel there 
Um, now you you might just begin with sensing the neck, and then okay, let's just keep sweeping down the back and see if anything opens up in there. Mm-hmm. We recognise that all these energies and uh, um, you know bodily feelings associated with energy in the nervous system, and there's a very fine web uh, of, of channels. We might, if we like, the Western model, it's nerves, just incredibly fine filigree of nerves. Uh, then you've got things like in uh, Asian understanding, you have chakras and meridians, but generally the understanding is this whole web of stuff <coughs> and it's all connected. So you want to find, enter that web, and somewhere in that web, if those channels are open, the energy of tension or contraction or will will find a way to release itself. The body will release it. But it also does mean developing the quality of intention that widens and doesn't press, saying, hurry up, where's the channel? No, you've got to try to feel it. And, and sometimes it's surprising because you get a, something shifts in your belly. That's funny. Thinking my shoulder stopped. It doesn't. So it's often rather mysterious how these things happen. But you, you, fundamentally, you can never release tension where it is. The tension is like frozen energy, and if you you go into that, you put more. And it's having too much energy uh, compacted into a certain zone. So if you go into it, you put more energy into it. So as soon as you give attention to it in that way, even if your idea is to get rid of it, you're actually putting energy into it. So it just gets tighter and your mind gets more agitated. So you've got to get this sense of just widening, softening, and checking out the subtle aspects of the body, the energetic aspects of the body as they run over this through this physical form. Um, and the attitude of let's you know, see how that happens. Well, the various kinds of uh, um, drainage you have con- contraction, which is mostly associated with defending fear, so it's a hard sense, and you have tension. And they seem pretty much the same, but tension is actually more like a kind of something that wants to move but can't. So this could be associated with rage, get really tensed up, you really want to go for it but you can't. Uh, uh, so when it's uh, to do with uh, contraction, you try to find somewhere in your body where it feels like the space and connect the two. Because then there's that sense of safe openness which will if repeatedly touched in with a louder contracted experience to unfold. If it's to do with tension, you may not quite know the difference. Tension generally is resolved through something moving softly, repeatedly past it, like breathing. Repeated quality moving softly past it. It's allowing a certain movement to breathe out the tension. The, the movement of the breath 
gives the tense energy a chance to to move. This is why walking is very good, meditation, because you're doing both. You feel the space around you, and you feel the movement of your body. So that's a very good um, practice for releasing tension and contraction. My mind was much more relaxed before I came here. (laughs) Is it natural that my mind would feel so much more agitated on retreat? With all this physical pain, how do I get to look into my emotions when I'm just struggling to get beyond my physical discomfort? Yeah, well... Mm. Yeah, well, yeah. These uh, retreats are challenging in some respects because you know my mind was much more relaxed before I came here. I wonder where you were. <laughs> Probably, you know, your home or something. Then you know, you've got your own space. You're with who you want to be with. You can talk. You can have a chat with people. You can listen to sounds, music if you feel like it. Uh, yeah, so you really got your your comfort medicine around you <laughs> to give you a place, something to evolve yourself with, feel some comfort from, have a bite, go for a walk, walk the dog, whatever. And all these have a, a comforting effect when you retreat, stripped away. <laughs> That's gone. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, there's such things as a change of change of daily routine, a bit normal normal situation. You don't get up and sit still in the meditation hall for an hour or so <laughs> in the dark. <laughs> I can stir a few things up. Right. What are you supposed to do here? You know? uh, <laughs> there's all these other bodies sitting around me. Like, <laughs> is this a graveyard or what? <laughs> And there's a, just the emotional dissonance of being with people who aren't talking to you. That's all these things have their effect uh, on the mind. Why do we make it so unpleasant? It's actually not. Nobody's being unpleasant. One finds it unpleasant. One finds it agitated, but it's very calm, actually, very quiet. It's just the shifting from one's normal comfort zone is disorienting. So it takes time to uh, to get to uh, practice with it. So well, why bother then? Because really, by taking away or removing some of the the situations and the relationships and the things that give us comfort we're actually getting down to the raw material at the bedrock because all this other stuff are, is accessories isn't it and things we've managed to, to you know get going now what happens when you can't do that you've got to face up to some you know underlying uh, uh, instability now, this is not a personal matter 
It's not like any one person is desperately unstable. It is, un- it is destabilizing. I'm used to it. I've been have been relaxed for years. <laughs> it's emotionally disorienting. But after all, you kind of yeah, just, now I get to work on cultivating, soothing myself, steadying myself, right here. Because I can't have the the muffin or the coffee or the whatever. I've got to sit upright. I can't have the, the easy things. So I've got to work. I've got to really get some skills going to to to. Uh, give myself comfort and stability uh, in, in, but then the beauty of it is you've got that if you have you develop it well you've really got a good good piece of equipment <laughs> this thing <laughs> what you live with is now becoming some, not something you have to deal with it's become something that supports your life you know and then you've got something that can carry you through um, changing circumstances when Something's switched off, and something's broken, and this is gone, and she's let me down, and you know, run out of that, and you know, and suddenly you've got resources. So this is a place for building up resources. Uh, it's yeah, and um, so you know, then we begin to just review what is this agitation? What's happening? And is there anywhere? in my experience where there's a place where I can just watch that or witness that and not have to stop it happening and not <coughs> criticise myself for experiencing it's anywhere I could just get to a position where I could just see this being you know, this fluttering uncertain being with a mind of goodwill like, there he is, there she is oh bless her oh yeah, it's tough going yeah, come on, it's alright then Nobody's hearting you. You know, feel unstable. Just stand. Feel the ground beneath your feet. Beautiful sky above your head. Nobody's bothering you. Look, you know, it doesn't get much better than this on some level. (laughs) And just kind of coaxing one's mind to open up to to the beauty. But gently, because it is disorientation is very stirring we need to find then we can find a deep orientation to this presence of our own body the firm center I'm always here whatever's going on I'm in here I'm in the here-ness firm center and then the open heart what's around me is a miracle really just, just soak it up. And of course, many of these teachings we reflect on. You know, the great Buddha and a light to the world, and people we've known, people we feel grateful for, people we feel touched by. Certainly, one has to do a bit of work to to bring it in, but it's work that is ultimately for one's welfare worth going through a bit of a bit of turmoil to to arrive at of course the question about 
you know, how can you get into emotions when you struggle to get beyond your physical discomfort? Well, there's your first emotion to deal with. Very fundamental emotion. Which is to resist, fight, struggle, feel overwhelmed by physical pain. And you're going to build up, as I've suggested, these skills to sense that there's the body, it's in pain, it's certainly there's that pain faculty. My heart is regarding that compassionately rather than meshed up in it all. And so here we have a question. Can you explain again the connection between reaching or striving towards a state of liberation in meditation and leading a life marked by loving kindness and empathy? That's the first part of the question. I don't think I really use the phrase striving towards a state of liberation. Uh, it's not, doesn't, language doesn't seem like mine. But I do hear these kind of terms used. Um, uh, state of liberation. Well, to put it uh, directly, loving kindness is a liberation. It's a liberation from ill will. There are different varieties of liberation. One is the liberation, freedom of the mind. The mind is not oppressed with ill will, grudge, negativity, fear, guilt, regret, malice, spitefulness, jealousy, all the rest of it. You know, it's not. It's freed from that. It's boundless. That's why it's called boundless and exalted because it's just all that stuff that crushes it is taken away, and the mind is just abundant, exalted, immeasurable. It's not caught up with this um, negative impression. So these goodwill qualities, metta, karuna, mudita, upeka, are all understood to be liberations, liberation of the heart through loving kindness. The other kinds of liberation are liberation through samadhi, or consolidation of mental energy, so it's no longer... uh, wound up with the comings and going of the sense world, it's, it's secure and established in itself. Uh, so this is the liberation of the, of the mind, the heart, through uh, samadhi, consolidation, concentration, collected energy. So it's not going out, it's not tangled up, it's steady and complete. And these two liberations are called citta vimuti, liberation of citta, and they represent one aspect of the uh, of the fruition of practice, and the other aspect is the liberation through wisdom, and liberation through wisdom, sometimes called vipassana or insight, is the big. Though it doesn't sound that fantastic <laughs> in its own way, it means essentially it could be it's the recognition, the qualities arise and pass. Um, there's no person they belong to, there's no solid entity that, that they belong to, they're just qualities that arise and pass and what do they rise and pass into? And with increasing because of that recognition of these feelings, emotions, thoughts and so forth even good states like loving kindness well up and they have a vibrant, moving quality. And they open the mind. What's that openness? 
Where does the sound go when you listen to it? When you ring the bell, where does it go? It opens the silence, doesn't it? What's that? That's, uh, say, uh, an analogy uh, uh, that liberation through wisdom is uh, a little deeper than that in that uh, when the very full recognition and acceptance that experience is made up of qualities that arise and pass they keep arising, they keep passing one becomes somewhat dispassionate towards them because it's going to pass it's okay if it arises it's okay if it passes you're not searching for phenomena because they do that they arise and pass so one is no longer so searching for them you're no longer so defensive of them you're no longer identifying with them this dispassion means that what happens is the mind cools and the passion leaves and it becomes very quiet, still, easy. Cessation, sense the mind at rest, true wisdom. These are liberations. So, of course, the striving bit is certainly, the, one is encouraged to apply oneself diligently and with skill it's not a blind slugging away or getting hernia while you're doing it the sense of you know integrity and meaningful application to the best of one's capacities you don't really know what your capacities are but you know you keep don't sell yourself short <laughs> you know you not a matter of straining but sometimes just of lengthening and staying a little bit longer through you know just going a little bit longer through the comfort zone or the discomfort zone a little bit yeah Uh, lingering a little longer more fully Um, meeting some of these difficult nagging experiences and not being spooked by them Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is certainly is work, yeah, or practice. So in summary, there's there's not a lot of difference between development of loving kindness and liberation, except that loving kindness is is a kind of a doorway, you know, that we use to free the mind from absorbing and following destructive patterns so that it can more easily steady itself and stabilize into the into something about very very fundamental about experience it can be passed so the person finds questioner finds meditation restorative i think i can work towards a state of loving kindness and empathy through reading Reflection and study, intellectual approach. What's the bridge between the two? Well, yeah, it's good to consider it fully, reflect upon it, bring it to mind. But uh, to really, sa- you know, 
get it into your nerve, into your reflexes, <laughs> is is not you don't do that in a book really. <laughs> yeah, because uh, generally when one's studying, one's on one's own, nicely lit room, nobody's bothering me. <laughs> Read the book, think about it. Oh, this is beautiful. You want to go out and meet those pesky people. <laughs> <laughs> Annoy and frustrate me and get in my way. This is this is yeah, this is the field work where you really got to meet these irritants and just okay, just not going to go into that. You know? And there's somebody I don't. Uh, so no, I shouldn't do that. This is another sentient being. How are you doing? You know, a bit more. You know, let's rise up. People we can be kind of indifferent towards. It's just the guy who stands at the gate you know it's like that you, you live like that and, and you, you kind of open wherever there's a possibility you could extend these qualities of goodwill you don't miss a chance if you because everything appreciates it and you keep and also you're training your mind to just inhabit those qualities and those channels much more constantly so they become your home base and then if that becomes your home base then when negative stuff comes at you you've got a pretty good base to work from when things come at you oh here we go some more intensities. In the mode of anger and chaos, how do I keep firm centre and open heart? And same handwriting, how do you deal with the demons? Well, okay, I get it. I'll probably get it. So dealing with the demons is first of all not, not inviting them. You know, uh, we don't realise we're inviting them, but uh, we keep a sense of vigilance over our, our senses and our, what our mind is doing. And there are certain areas we can get a lot of demons of raga, passion, getting steamed up about things. So we, you know, cautious sense restraint and look at the attitudes that you know, that support us getting steamed up about things, either we get righteous, or we feel we have difficult issues with another person, or we feel unfairly treated. Let's check some of these bases out, you know. Um, Who's fairly treated? Is anybody fairly treated? Constantly? (laughs) Where did that one idea come from? <laughs> yeah. Anybody never blamed? Anybody who's never experienced blame? Anybody never never been lied to? Yeah. Threatened? Anybody never been threatened? Be rather special person if those never happened to you so 
have this kind of compulsive, can't stop, got to do it, energy that seems so powerful and luminous and attractive and needed and urgent and important, and really the world, it actually is this way, you know. It's this way because that's all you see. You see the data that fit it. That's how, that's how it works. So you really got to, you know, you can't, often you can't quarrel with the data, but wait a minute, I'm getting kind of, it's intense. Could I just, what's happening in my body? I'm breathing out, could I take just, just, you know, be more complete in the whole body moving when I'm doing things, checking out. So your energies, you're taking care of your energies. There's mindfulness, steadiness. And you, then you begin to, you know, once you've got a little bit of leeway on them, then you start to challenge, you know, the things that they present. So if you've got these demons presented to be hate other people or despise other people or think other people are stupid, just start to check, you know, human being, human being, feels pain, feels sorrow, gets annoyed, just like me, human being, human being, human being. <laughs> you do some references and don't believe in the phantasmagorical projections that the demons can create, you know the way that people project all kinds of evil and disgusting things onto other people. You know, he's scruffy, he must be a criminal. No, it just means he's poor. The real criminals have got nice suits. <laughs> Not very good criminal if you're still looking scruffy, are you? <laughs> so... You know, human being. We try to keep placing that there. Even if they, you know, you have to really stretch to, to see that. And so then you're starting to, at that basis of embodiment and mutuality, you know, she doesn't quite look like me, but I guess it's the same sort of thing. And she, you know, those are sentient being, human being, you know, parents, sorrows, joys, so forth. It's like this, and then we start to the mutual world is a non-demonic domain. Dem- demonic domain is always extremely egocentric, yeah. as everybody else who I deal with. The mutual domain is always how's it going to work between us. And this is definitely demons do not like this territory at all. So as we establish that as our mode of being then we're no longer so into ourselves, into how important I am or how my views and feelings count so much. No. We listen a lot to each other, which really helps to get into some clean, fresh air and some fresh territory. Listening to other people, think, oh, well, actually, yeah. Oh, he got that too, oh dear, that's... Yeah, it's terrible. That's a bright idea she has. Yeah, try it her way. You know, come out. Come out of the the hallucination. Now we get demons of righteousness. How dare they? They shouldn't have done this. Shouldn't have done this. It wasn't fair. You know, 
Yeah, maybe it was. So when when was that? So why is it still here? Yeah, because your your demon's feeding on it. <laughs> demons like those things because they've got some rage in them, some passion. So okay, demon brings back a memory. Here's some food, demon. Start chewing it up. Great, feel nice and full now. <laughs> Start to get angry about something that somebody did last month, last year, and shouldn't have done. Yeah, you shouldn't have done, but they did. So now, you want to bring some demon food in? If you can, you'll get a nice healthy demon. Or you could say, well, that's... He's, un- he's acted unskillfully, he will have to experience the results of that. I'm not going to act unskillfully now. And when we are certainly in the middle of these turbulences open heart firm centre well you probably begin with a firm centre try to get your feet on the ground simple method feet on the ground, whole body long breath out, long breath in don't deal with the emotion don't deal with it get back from it, you haven't got the resources to deal with it until you get firm centre you don't have the capacity to deal with it you just go into it and start reacting or suppressing it. Firm center. And when that's firm enough, sometimes when it's firm enough, the demons immediately think, oh, dang it, I'll get on some mess with somebody else. They <laughs> 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 start to move away. There's always somebody else to go to. You know, they start to wane in their power because you've got something that's not built on raga, on passion, but something that's built on clarity and strength and you know steadiness mindfulness so you build up that energy there and that often will just clean things out because you've got something to to, to stabilize with while this turbulence eddies round and it will calm it will steady if you're not feeding it of course the open heart is also the sense of turning towards the sources of one's uh, agitation with a mind of uh, acceptance, goodwill. Doesn't, just because you accept it doesn't mean you're going to hold on to it. You know, okay, there's that. There's that. So, end of story. Not adopting it. Not rejecting it. No energy going into it. And that openness begins to allow things to to pass, to, to ventilate. And it's often the case that things just need to be ventilated. They don't need to be fixed so much as just ventilated and heard and listened to with a mind that's receptive. Um, and just steam comes out of your ears and, oh well, that's that one. <laughs> that's the way you do it. That's the way I do it anyway. Okay. A little bit more. So, this person, this, this note is about building up a tone of positive energy. How does one do this without repressing or disturbing or negative energy, ne- negative experience? Well, one does want to disturb negative experience. Um, 
because if you don't disturb it, it sticks in you. So, but there's, there's repress. Well, there's different. Repression is generally like a denial. You 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 can it. You try and stuff it down. Uh, uh, and this is more or less the strategy that occurs when one can't open and release. When either blames it on somebody, which is projecting present, past, or oneself, because the chitta can't handle it. So we generally have to shove it out onto someone. Of course, we don't really shove it out onto someone, we shove it onto our idea of someone. So it's really still pushing it to another piece of your heart so it doesn't ventilate anything. Or we just stuff it down, which means you withdraw acknowledgement from it. Or you don't, this is what the jitta does. It withdraws from it. So you look away. So, in fact, what we've withdrawn from that is is the chitta's intelligence. The knowingness has been withdrawn from that experience. So that's that's repression. It means we just cut off that piece of experience because we couldn't the chitta couldn't handle it. Only problem is having withdrawn intelligence from it. Whenever that. Um, <laughs> You know that that uh, 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 that experience bursts in, or the wall goes down from our denial. We actually it comes in again. Our responses have no intelligence to them because we've withdrawn intelligence from them. So we just get into over flooded states. So to to establish in intelligence and sensitivity and awareness around difficult states, uh, we have to establish the capacity to do so. So that's what depends on withdrawing, strategic withdrawal to, to fortified position, and then move out, open and turn towards experience. Now you have the strength to do so. Okay, so... How do you know which thoughts to heed to and which to let pass? Well, let them all pass until you find one that doesn't pass. If you can let thoughts pass, by all means, do. But you'll probably find that uh, they come back again, moving through. Or, you know, or the particular thought might pass, but the thinkingness doesn't pass. You just keep thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking. So you may have let that topic pass through, but the thinking process is continuing. In which case, or if a particular thought doesn't pass, you know, then we question what's the general mood here, what's the energy that this train of thought is running on, is it sort of fretful, is it dreamy? Is it looking for something? Is it what's it doing? What am I thinking? Often it's sometimes it's just to give oneself something to play with. You know, interesting thoughts. So it looks like it's looking for some happiness. Okay, that's what's needed. Where can I find that? Because if this did arrive at happiness, it would arrive and stop. 
but it doesn't arrive at happiness because it keeps going. So therefore it's not actually going, fulfilling itself. So it's expressing a particular wish, but it isn't able to fulfill it. So where does that get fulfilled? So we reflect upon the nature of the thought stream, the emotional mood of it, where it's going, and say, can I meet, you know, can I fit, meet this, what this thought is trying to do, which isn't being accomplished by thought. So it needs happiness. Where does that come from? Calm, warm-heartedness, and so forth. Restlessness, uh, just the mind darting around, what's needed, some sense of where is a a stable place where I could get some rest and comfort. Same kind of uh, process, where is that found? If you've got a particular irritating thought that's going on, that's annoying you, you memory or something, then that needs also to be met with appropriate response from the heart. Well, a couple of more technical questions. I don't know how you, if you're still interested in this procedure. I'm happy chatting away, but uh, it's getting tedious for you. Uh, I'll draw things to a close soon. Um, Pali word for full knowing, sampajanya. Sampajanya. Anya means knowing, not cognitive knowing, but a sense of having savvy, aware, tuned, alert, sensitive. You know, that's anya. It means you realise, you're getting it, you're seeing things clearly. Uh, so paj is, is an emphatic, means thoroughly realising it. And sam is another emphatic, thoroughly, fully getting it, <laughs> knowing it. So it's, it's an emphatic, you know, it's a very emphasised kind of a phrase you really thoroughly do see it properly, fully, clearly in an undiluted way mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, so is this the same as intuitive wisdom which I understand is coming from the body and heart not the thinking mind mm. well I don't know what intuitive wisdom really it's another phrase um Certainly Sampajanya is not a matter of cognitive activity, conceptual activity. It's a sense of, you know, it's, it's direct rather than conceptual. It's, it's a, you know, you, you're something, wow, oh yeah, that's it. But generally with it, there arises a, oh, that's it. You get a little thought comes up that, you know, gets what, that, what you've seen, sees it clearly. Uh, so, uh, and it arises, it's always conjoined with sati, mindfulness. So you have sati sampajanya. Uh, and where this is talked about, referred to in the discourses, sati is the quality of mind, that, the quality of attention that holds things steadily. And uh, it has a, a unbiased quality to it, it's just holding things clearly, steadily. Uh, but it's always based upon uh, deep attention. I mean, we've something worthwhile being mindful of, appropriate, suitable, 
you know. So there we are, and it's uh, non-obsessive. It's not like you know riveted in non-obsessive. It's just because it's reflective. How is this affecting me? How is this? What's happening? So you never, you know, it's never obsessive. It's a holding, lightly phenomenon, just checking it out. And then with sati, as we're doing that, because you've got no particular program to see something or make something happen, we're free of those, even those biases, then as the mind begins to, begins to discard what's unnecessary or unsuitable or problematic, uh, full knowing or sampajanya these are qualities that arise and pass just this and this was triggered by that and that was conditioned by that it's sort of handling the material you know just like we might realise we could we could you get a good understanding of paper by rubbing it between our fingers. Or we could look at the words. Or we could hold the paper. And you get quite a you know, good understanding of cloth by holding it carefully. You know that kind of understanding, would you be thinking? Might be a bit, but mostly you'd be really sensing and you probably notice this cloth is made of many fibres it looks like a solid thing it's actually made of many separate fibres that are interwoven mm, interesting now when we handle the mind like that this mind which seems so solid and me is actually made of many fibres of. This is the fibre called intention. This is the fibre called goodwill. This is the fibre called sadness. And all this compounded together seems to be me. But when I handle it directly, it's not a solid me, it's fibres knitted together. What would it be if I really just handle those fibres carefully and you know and clearly as they are there be a sense of more dispassion would arise so Sampajanya has that feel it out quality to it so there are other questions but I might take them for later the last one tonight uh, practicing vipassana do you agree with naming? For example, when walking, say, walking, walking. When eating, say, eating, eating. Um, I guess it doesn't really matter whether I agree with it or not. It's whether it works for you. Mm. The results of it. There's a technique that I used early on in my practice, meditation practice, you know, if you keep bringing the mind back to the point, because it would just be all over the place, so just walking, walking, you know, walking, walking. You know. <laughs> you know, it's like calling the dog, like, heel, heel, heel. <laughs> the dog's running, heel. <laughs> Whoa. 
but uh, it's uh, you know you've got to be on the case a lot of the time, and you get quite intense about it all. Uh, walking, walking, walking. And I, what I did find after a while that I wasn't actually aware of walking, really. I was aware of saying the word walking. <laughs> And the actual real deep experience of walking I wasn't getting. You know, I think just the very superficial sense as if on the ground and then the de- you know, touching the ground and you know, certainly you get a reference. But to linger, this is to me where this, um, in my opinion, what I found inadequate about this process was it didn't allow the mind to linger and deepen into the feeling experience. And in fact, uh, in that particular uh, meditation system, they don't want you to linger in the feeling experience of it. The idea is to not linger in it, but just to go to the bare, da, 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 da. Um, now, although they call this vipassana, because that's, that's the word that's used, it's not, a, it's not a system that you find in the discourses of the Buddha. It's a system that's been produced based upon fundamentally an Abhidharmic understanding of mind. Abhidharma is uh, one big chunk of Buddhist uh, uh, scripture, which uh, is dealing with more metaphysical matters. It's very different from the Sutta material, and it's it's analy- deeply analytical. It tries to analyze every single mind moment separately occurring and how you can start to experience one mind moment at a time, which is infinitesimally small, uh, and this will give rise to Nibbana, or allowing Nibbana to occur. But there's no reference to the Buddha ever having taught that, Uh, which is... (laughs) So, you know, well, if the Buddha didn't do it... but, I mean, it's not to argue about it. If it works, do it. But uh, I find that it just made me too much in my head. I was, I was always up in my head doing meditation. Right? And I, I get... I just want to feel good, I feel good you know? <laughs> and then in... Uh, course in the scriptures they talk a lot about going into these jhanic states absorption but this system doesn't want you to do absorption they say you don't want absorption you just be stuck there in this blissful state forever i thought bring it on you know (laughs) 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 but uh, it wasn't it wasn't a problem (laughs) and so you know you start to see that doesn't really match up and uh, you know, some sense of just experiencing full, warm, settledness uh, is definitely recommended by the Buddha. Uh, uh, and where you're thinking, and this analytical mindset begins to relax, you know, and then you can still see things clearly, but you don't have to have this word stuff going on in your head. You can sense it like you sense with your fingers. And it's very few words. So, thank you for listening.
Thank you for your questions. A few that have not been answered. I'll give another time. I just think that uh, you know it's a lot to think about, talk about, and take in. So it's probably enough for tonight. <laughs>